Bong. Hi everyone, and you are listening to Fake It Till You Make It, a podcast about manifesting your destiny one little white lie at a time. Disclaimer, Brooke and Sammy don't condone lying to people. On the contrary, you may be currently living a lie, telling yourself you can't do something, or living a narrative that someone else created for you. This is about tapping into your authenticity and becoming your best self. Whatever that means for you, matching fantasy to reality, 1-800-LAVA-LINKS. What's Lava Links? What? You don't know what Lava Links? Was that the talk? Do you know what Lava Links is? No. Oh, Lava Links. Yeah. I thought you said leak, like you're leaking lava. Oh. <laughs> what? I know. No. No, I remember Lava Links. I it was just... like the late night, like, hey, we have yeah, a sex phone operator. 444. Lava No, that's motorcycle insurance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like a lava super links. late night, like, hey. man. I'm just so lonely in this bed, and call I just me. want you to call me. It was one of those. I've got a miniature golf, uh, golf club called. <laughs> mini mini golf. Mini, right. mini golf and sex. Mini golf and going on a mini golf. Oh my day. god, we're millionaires. Hey, my first kiss was at a mini golf. I had a place. I went on a miniature mini golf. Oh, I guess yes. <laughs> <laughs> mini miniatures. <laughs> <laughs> it was microscopic golf. Micro yeah, golf. you use Legos to hit the ball. <laughs> no, I went a mini golf date once, and it was really great. It was really fun, and um, we had such a good time. And then he ghosted me. God. <laughs> and then it was that one. It was my only ghosting experience I've ever had. But it was one where it's, why aren't you responding to me? Where are you? What happened? And then he would come back. For one reason, one reason only, and then I never understood why he would ghost me for a couple months after that. Ugh, he was just a Casper. Good guy. <laughs> um, no, Street I don't. I, I don't go on mini. How mean? <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't go on mini golf dates because I'm too good at mini golf. I have to like fake that I'm. Uh uh-uh. uh, I shark them. Shonda Rhimes says, "Be proud, brag as a woman." I know, but it's really hard on men's self esteem when you're better than them at everything man i know but i date really competitive people apparently because it really bruises their egos it's mini golf yeah i i ixnay these guys if that's the case man up if you can't handle your girl beating you for the first time on mini golf and you're not amazed you are not a worthy gentleman or a worthy opponent yeah let's be honest I try not to tell them like my when I first started my now job they took us out to mini golf (laughs) the first week and I was like okay and I was like I don't know if they know but I grew up playing miniature golf with my dad we would go every week and we would play with like my friends or we would bring like we would always have somebody to go against and so I got really good because I played every week for like five years at least you know what's awful? What? Talking about team building sports, paintballing. Oh, no. Why did... <laughs> no. <laughs> Laser tag is way better. <laughs> paintballing. I went once with my tennis team in high school. And... Uh, <laughs> That's so awful. It was so... Where... If anyone is going to go paintballing, best advice, wear cotton, not nylon. I had those nylon swishy sweatpants because I thought that... Because they were... They would keep me warm. So I thought that they would be Like, good. oh, keep the paint out? No, no. Oh, man. My coach... My coach shot me from two feet away or something. 
welt the size of a golf ball. Oh, wear layers. On my freaking. And it's hot. Like the time to go is when it's hot and you have those masks on and just sweat is dripping into your eyes and you're getting hit <laughs> at every which angle and you're bad at it. And it's just fuck paintballing. I, I've never been and I don't want to go because I don't want to get shot. Take it from me. A podcast business. Let's get this out of the way. If you like what you hear, not if you don't like what you hear, if you like what you hear, uh, feel free to rate us five stars, subscribe to our podcast, and write us a review. It really helps with our numbers. It helps us get up there. Uh, We're hoping to get sponsorships come next year, and it just helps increase our numbers, helps us make look good so that we can keep bringing fun content to you. And we like hearing what you guys have to say. Yeah, we need our egos boosted. Yeah, tell me how pretty I am. I just... Because <laughs> you can see me. Tell me I'm so pretty. <laughs> but if you want to see how pretty we are, then follow us at at Femi Podcast underscore F-I-M-I Podcast underscore on Instagram. And if you have anything that you want to say personally to us or if you are an up-and-coming musical artist and want your music featured on the podcast, Feel free to email us. Email at us. <laughs> hashtag us. <laughs> hashtag us. No, feel free to email us at femipodcast at gmail.com. That's F I M I podcast at gmail. Ooh. Ooh. How's your hey. week? Um, good. Um, it's it, it's been a productive week. I am in full like holiday party mode right now. Yeah, with, you are. With events. And so holiday party planning. Typically for a lot of, um, or any event kind of planning, the best time to plan an event is about four to six weeks in advance of the date. Um, that's like kind of the sweet spot where people are thinking about their calendar and it's still open for the most part or they can move things. Um, so we are in full swing <laughs> and it is chaos. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, work's been, work's been good. Um, I negotiated my salary. Hashtag know your worth. Yes. Um, that was kind of a trying process. I finally signed my papers on it. I'm not 100% happy with the number, but I know that we're a smaller company, so it is what I expected. Um, but I know what I can do in the role is going to be really great. Um, and it's going to be a good step up for me professionally. And that if I ended up exploring other career options, that this is like a good starting place. Um, but yeah, the the actual negotiations of it were a little awkward, to be honest. Like it, it started... Well, it's always an awkward thing to talk about money and uh in Jen Sincero's book about money she talks about how people get way more uncomfortable talking about money than they even do talking about sex oh yeah it's super faux pas yeah and it shouldn't be yeah I mean I'm tr- I'm trying to be better about it um it's like a real initiative that I've started to take this um over this last year uh I started to do a lot of uh manifesting kind of stuff where Every new moon, I do like a new moon ceremony. Lately, I've been really bad about doing this. But new moons are when you call in like new energy. 
Um, and so new moon, you write out all your intentions of things that you want to accomplish that cycle. And I've always, and I keep writing down, I want to hit this number for my salary by the end of the year. And I've been writing that for like the last year. And so I finally like hit that number. Um, but when, when we first started the talk, so my boss pulled me in and was like, Hey, I just want to congratulate you. We want to offer you this position of the supervisor um, of our events and our marketing. And I said, great. And she said, I want to, um, I want to see what I need to go back to our CEO with as far as what you would accept to become an exempt from uh overtime type of employee so they call it being exempt and non-exempt and I had to really think about that because when you don't take overtime anymore you could potentially be missing out on a lot of money because that's double pay once you hit over eight hours Mm -hmm. and so and I feel uh, at least in the restaurant I feel or in restaurant lives that I've lives in restaurants that I've worked at in life the salaried manager, like their job sucks, and they can they can call them in to work whenever they want them to. Yes, that's the downside. And so a lot of companies, I think the minimum in California is like forty eight thousand to be exempt, but you have to have manager in your title. There's a lot of little loopholes and things as to how they can get you to be exempt. Um, so I was very careful about that and I set my number a lot higher than that. And I said, I don't want to be exempt because it won't be worth it for me if I, or I'm just not going to work overtime at all. Like that, that would be the difference. And sometimes I have to just to make it, like just to stay on top of everything. Um, so... I gave them a higher number, and I actually ended up lowballing myself from what the actual media, uh, mean average uh, in LA for an event supervisor. I still brought my number down a little bit because I was like, I know we're a small company, but I, I don't want to lowball myself too much because I want to see what they say. Um, in negotiations, be very careful. You don't want to um, undervalue yourself. And have them go. Oh, I would have. I would have given you this number, but you wanted this number, so here you go. Mm-hmm. You get the lower one. Um, so you have to be really careful about that. I went into it doing a ton of research. I uh, Glassdoor.com is a great resource where you can look up um, average salaries uh, for a specific position title, and you can match them up to what you're making. Uh, you can check it based off your city. Uh, so I made sure to look at that. Um, I also came up with like a whole business plan of the the new job responsibilities and the roles and the value that I would bring to the company taking on these new responsibilities that I haven't been able to do in the past. And um, and then I, I figured out a way to save the company like over $100,000 not everybody's going to be able to do that <laughs> when they're coming into a role, but I came up with that plan and I kind of pitched it and my boss was really uh, into this idea and so we talked through it 
And I gave her my number and she laughed and she was like, that's not going to happen. So I still was higher than what they wanted. And um, and so that was really frustrating for me because I, I was really looking forward to a larger leap. Uh, a thing that a lot of companies do that I, our listeners, if you haven't had to negotiate your salary... Um, if you're with a company and you're at like a lower salary range, it's hard for them to justify when you do get um, a, a, a jump, when you jump to a new position that's higher, you're getting, um, you're getting a raise, you're getting, um, they work in percentages and they can't justify giving you a 200% increase they can they typically can justify about a five percent increase so a lot of uh millennials now are jumping from company to company because they can come into any company at a higher rate than what they were being paid before companies can't check uh they can't verify what you were paid at your previous company it's a question that they're not allowed to ask so you know you can if you're jumping to a new company you can say, hey, this is what I'm worth and this is what I should be paid and they can take it or leave it or negotiate you down. Um, but it's a really good tactic. That's the new business world. But it's very difficult in when you're at a current company to make those leaps. So if someone were to come into my company into this position, they probably would have paid them 60000 or, you know, or uh, whatever number um they would have paid them a higher amount and then me coming in from where i was at at like a lower level position coming up to a supervisor or manager so it's kind of a tough pill to swallow because i finally felt that i was getting that value increase that i had been working for um but so they came in low and then i came back and i was like no this is my bottom line. I won't take it for less than this. And I, it was reasonable. <laughs> um, but they were still a little flabbergasted because I just was like, no, I'm not going to accept less than this and and we just won't do it. And they said, and they kind of showed their hand with me in a lot of ways where they initially said, we won't have this position unless you want it this position is for you. We don't want anyone else to come into this. So I already knew, okay, <laughs> I don't have any competition for this. Um, and, and I think they knew that they would have alienated me a lot if I did because I was the only, it's a two-person team and the, our second person has only been with the company like two months. So <laughs> it would have been very insulting. <laughs> um but yeah, so it, it ended up being a back and forth and I just really stood in my power and I just, I was very nice about it though and I just said, you know, I'd like the weekend to think about it. I was really, really looking forward to starting this position at this rate. Is there any way, do you think that our CEO would negotiate up to that? Do you think there's any wiggle room? Um, I'd also like the ability to in uh in six months revisit this and if i've saved you guys x amount of money because uh, i already gave them the whole proposal about how much money we would save i was like i crunch the numbers there's a hundred thousand dollars that the company stands to make a profit off of 
I should be seeing a little bit more of that. <laughs> and she said, okay, six months, let's, let's revisit it. And she goes, I'll see what I can do about uh, this, this small increase for now. And she goes, is it worth it to you to have a small increase now? Or is it more worth it to you if we were to do the revisit option in six months? And I said, the revisit option, absolutely. I will pick and choose my battles. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, if I can win this victory and because I, I know that I already bring a lot of value to the company, if I can win this here and then win the other battle later, that would make me over the moon. I would be ecstatic. And she said, let me see what I can do. I got a call two or three hours later from her letting me know that I, I got the number that I wanted, like pretty much everything I wanted in this deal um, besides my initial number. <laughs> uh, but it was, it was really... Uh, it was a really good learning process for me because I, I, old Sammy would have said, okay, that, oh, that's what yeah. you think. Oh, okay, okay, I'll take it. And just be eager and like thankful, which I mean, you should always be thankful, but there's also knowing when you're, you're being lowballed or knowing when you're being undervalued and how do you fight that? Yeah. 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 I definitely think that with age, we're, getting smarter and learning how to stand stand our ground mm -hmm. and taking what we think we deserve and mm -hmm. you know I'm worth this much and you can meet me at this much or you can meet me lower and we can part ways or hey meet me higher uh for all of you hustlers out there I did the favor of going on to fast company Com. For any of you who are considering negotiating a salary or about to negotiate a salary or go into something, uh, this is an article on Fast Company. Never ever utter these phrases in a salary negotiation. Number one, currently, as in I'm currently making. So if you're going into a new company, don't give your number. Yeah. Uh, two, desired as in desired salary is. Don't disclose your current or desired salary. Recovering from this mistake can be tricky and each situation is unique. But one way to untether from those original numbers is to review the benefits package for deficiencies. If the health insurance offering paid vacation target bonus or other aspects of the benefits packaging are underwhelming, the candidate can use those as reasons to ask for a higher salary to compensate. Yeah, you should always try to get the company to reveal what they're thinking first and then you can gauge your interest off of that and you know what the starting point is and then you can go, okay, you can either say, yeah, absolutely, that's what I was thinking too or you can go, you know, I was thinking a little bit here. Like you can, yeah. even if you were thinking lower, you can always try to negotiate a little higher. <laughs> Number three, don't say sorry. Negotiating is uncomfortable. Don't apologize for negotiating. Uh, no and other negative words. Uh, instead of no, that doesn't work for me, you can say I would be more comfortable with. Negative words slow down things and may put up walls that make collaboration difficult. Uh, yes. Don't say no. Don't say yes. That's what this is saying. <laughs> While this may <laughs> say sound, maybe. Yeah. Uh, you'll offer, often get a job offer that seems really appealing and it might be far more than you expected. Your instinct in this case might be just to accept the offer. But is it too good? Uh, instead of yes, formulate a counteroffer to see how much you can improve it. 
Six, later, as in I can deal with that after I start. Seven, try, as in can we try. Uh, try is a passive word that leaves a lot of wiggle room and you don't want that. Eight, more, as in I want more. Instead of asking for more salary or more vacation, this is your time to get specific. So I would be more comfortable with a base salary of 105000 Nine, want. Lastly, the word want can tank negotiations. You can talk about what you want, which just isn't all that important or you could talk about what the company wants which is not as potent as talking about what the company needs which is the most important thing just like how you could save them a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars which is a lot of money at least in my world it's a lot of money oh yeah i mean i think <laughs> in any business it's it's a chunk of change i mean we charge like eighteen hundred dollars for memberships so that's quite a few memberships yeah uh <laughs> Speaking when you were talking about the mini golf and not wanting to see more uh, and then talking about the negotiation and how money is uncomfortable, I recently on Fast Company, they should just sponsor us already. Fast Company, sponsor us. Thank you. Um, They I read an article about Shonda Rhimes and when she gave a talk to uh, women in filmmaking how she lied and let Netflix misappropriately announce her salary while um, another major producer, he announced, and she's actually making the most money as a producer than any other producer right now. But she let them report her at only $100,000 a year and another producer, he reported his as $400,000 a year and he got like this cover photo shoot and all this other stuff and you know him and his new car and a whole write up about him and she was just like no head to the ground, head to the ground and so one thing that she said is women need to be more proud and to make our name in business and we need to not be ashamed of the hard work that we do and we need to start bragging. So all you women out there, start bragging. Mm -hmm. And for you men out there, brag too. Let's just all brag and let's all be proud of our freaking accomplishments because those are all something to be proud of. Yeah, humble brags. Humble brags. (laughs) No humble brags from me. No, stay humble (laughs) y'all. But yeah, how was your week? My week was amazing. I shot another commercial. Mm-hmm. It was the biggest crew I had ever worked with. Um, biggest budget I've ever worked on. There were extras and I wasn't one of them. I was I was the talent. They're like, oh, I got talent. I got talent over here. I had a makeup <laughs> artist with me all day. Made me look perfect. Uh, I could nap and wake up all sweaty and gross. And she'd be like, okay, we're going we're gonna to fix you up here. <laughs> oh, this never happened. I'm always bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Uh, the directors were so kind. There was an animatronics. I don't know how much I can talk about it, but I see that they've been posting a bunch on their page. Uh, the directors are, but there was an animatronics bear. So there's a man who works professionally as a bear, as a bear. He did Easter at the White House, uh, as a bunny. He has a couple of these suits and he lives inside the suit and then another person operates the remote control that controls the ears and the mouth and the eyes and it's so creepy and cool and I didn't even know what this guy looked like until I worked with him for maybe five hours and then I, I asked another person there and I was like hey which guy's the guy in the bear and they're like him yeah. so I went up and introduced myself but he was just this cute fluffy bear and he was so kind his name is Matt Brady I think you can hire him for things is he a potential podcast guest 
Oh he's, my lord. Yeah, he's a professional bear. Yes. <laughs> I I will I will ask him. Yeah, I think he's we very get busy. It. I, I'm worried he might ask me to charge. But uh but yeah, so it, it was just it was so great and it just really solidified that I this is what I want to do with my life. Uh, I think I'm gonna make it a career and I'm doing the right thing by continuing in this because one I deserve to be there and two it's so fun even when we had to do takes over and over and over again I enjoyed every new take and I enjoyed the hurry up and wait portion because that's a lot of acting is hurry up and wait (laughs) all right we need you in costume we need you in hair makeup we need you here we need you there okay and wait you won't work for another four hours (laughs) but you're ready but you're ready (laughs) and you're ready whenever they need you yeah Uh, I love that but I ended up getting a pay raise on that mm-hmm. talking about know your worth and um I originally auditioned as a featured extra so I had no lines and I just I just come into a room and I leave a room but I was featured in that scene and then after my auditions we got a new script and I got a line and I saw that I was still getting the same pay and all the other actors who are on now called on-camera principals all the other on-camera principals had a ton of or like we're making way more money than me and they were doing the same work so I contacted my manager and was like hey is this weird and she said yes it's weird I'm gonna contact them and I was like, great and it took about over a week for them to get back to me but it was so easy and they're like we will bump Brooks pay appropriately so yeah it just squeaky wheel gets the grease yeah don't be scared to ask yeah i remember i i felt i prayed to the universe for this commercial i prayed for the pay raise and i said if i get this i'm going home for thanksgiving and um just know your worth don't be scared to ask the worst thing that could happen is they'll tell you no yeah yeah that is honestly the worst thing i mean if you never tried you're just accepting less yeah and without even like, you know, what what could have been. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's all, I it's worth a try. So for Brooks Book Nook this week, I am reading Manal Al Sharif's Daring to Drive. I'm learning so much. It's about the women to drive movement in Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. I know recently in June they were now. It's now legal for women to drive, which is something in America that almost feels unfathomable. And we take it for such granted that women can drive. Mm-hmm. And um, it's about Manal al-Sharif. And when she w- thought herself, no, this isn't right. Women should be allowed to drive. Um, I can't remember if her story takes place in 2011 or 2014. Uh, and even still some... It, in August, it was reported that there were still seven or 17 activists that were still being detained mm. uh, for this movement, even though it was illegal for them to drive. Uh, but Manal was, had driven that day, and she got arrested, and then they let her go. And then in the middle of the night, the secret Saudi police, which um, they are completely secret. They do not wear in a badge or, or a mm. uniform or anything and they work in all different levels of all different jobs and careers because they are legitimately the secret Saudi police and um, they came to her house in the middle of the night 
told her, oh, we just got some paperwork for you. And then where I've left off is she has been moved to yet a second prison where she is in holding and cockroaches crawling. And it's it's weird to think that this is not fiction and that this stuff mm-hmm. happened is happening. And it's just something we need to be more aware of. And um, one thing is they expect women not to drive. They expect women not to be alone um, with a strange man. Yeah. But yet... They are being forced to take taxis and personal drivers with strange men who sexually harass them, um, verbally harass them, and it's just it's just horrible. And this book is so eye opening, and you actually learn a lot about um, what it's like to be a woman in Saudi Arabia. And I think it's a very important read. So it's Daring to Drive by Manal Al Sharif. I love that. And now it's time for our guest on a completely different note. Yeah. Uh, we, another strong woman. Another strong woman. She has built a company from the ground up. Uh, she has had her business for the past six years. And she is a real live princess. Please welcome the company owner of the Los Angeles Princess Company, Jennifer Malman. Jennifer. 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 I have tape in my hair. Sorry. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why is there tape in your hair? Who knows? I Did do. you have a gig today? I had one yesterday. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I do like one weekday, one a week on average. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you from? I'm from Pleasanton, California. It's a suburb of Oakland, I guess. Uh, and now I live in North Hollywood. What got you started? with the princessing the princessing so it was sort of a survival job I did theater never thought I was going to do anything else and doing parties was something I just did it was one of my many like day jobs um that I picked up what other day jobs did you have um I went through this phase after school where I just like was doing kind of anything and everything that I could get paid to do like I was a national anthem singer for a while when I first moved here yeah yeah how how do you get that job oh I was always like up on this is like years ago so like Craigslist I'd be like in the entertainment section like anything that didn't look sketchy and like didn't have like three x's (laughs) (laughs) I looked at Craigslist national anthem extra work like you know anything that was like sort of related to what I wanted to do and um 
yeah I like I had never even really thought about where like party characters came from but then I saw this ad and it was like it wasn't just for princesses it was for like clowns and fairies and it was this company actually hired me in the Bay Area before I moved here and so I worked for large companies and I was like why didn't I think of that before like that's like perfect for me I'm really good with kids like it's still acting um and I got hired right away and like immediately was like I was born to do this like it's I'm like (laughs) it's like marrying acting with working with kids with princesses which I like just naturally like a huge fan of like fantasy kind of stuff so yeah yeah Yeah. no and I I used to run into you at the Disney auditions for the face characters yeah and so it was this kind of born of that as well that like you knew you were really interested in it and so it yeah I that was my dream really like Mm -hmm. even more than like being on Broadway or anything like I wanted to be a professional children's entertainer like I would go to Disneyland when I was a kid and see all those shows and stuff that they would do and like I was like that's what I want to do because it's like wholesome and like you know I loved the idea of like so like families are coming to see these shows and like they never are really going to forget that you know Mm -hmm. it's like a part of a special experience so I actually moved here because I wanted to work for Disney I auditioned for Disney probably like 30 times in a few years yeah (laughs) so into each other at auditions yeah we did yeah I I used to come from San Luis Obispo I used to drive out here and go to auditions until I moved here Yeah. yeah no we saw each other um uh, for a magical map audition for mm-hmm. Pocahontas, and there was a girl dressed up as Pocahontas. Oh my gosh! <laughs> she had like a sweatshirt on over her full like Pocahontas costume, and all of us were like, "Oh no, who's going to tell her?" Like those auditions, you're there for like hours. You see some stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What What did you guys see in those auditions? Oh, actually, I mean, I've made friends there. Mm-hmm. It's like you you just see all kinds of personalities and things like that I'm sure it's the same with like other acting auditions but like yeah people dressed up as or or just like heavily suggesting certain characters like you know so for people who have never auditioned for Disney and are thinking about it or auditioned to be a princess that is faux pas yeah they don't like that they want from what I from what I know anyway they want you to look like yourself and like be a blank slate so they can kind of see where they might want to put you yeah. But it's so focused on looks. Yeah. It's like, it's so out of your control. And they're looking for people that look like the people that are currently playing the character. Yeah. So oh. they say, we're not looking for the most beautiful person here. We're looking for people that match like our current roster. Yeah. So you just have to look like someone. Our current <laughs> most beautiful person. Yeah. And sometimes. Because <laughs> they're all stunning. Yeah. And sometimes they won't even tell you what they're auditioning. Yeah. Like. There was one, I think, for Elsa and Anna, and I was really mad that I didn't know what was happening until after, and everyone's like, oh, I think they were auditioning for them. And they called a girl who had, like, a full Elsa braid and, like, did the makeup and everything. They actually made, let her go further in, and I was like, really? Cause you just never know. Yeah. I mean, that was my, my thing about those auditions. Like, you don't – I mean, it's not an environment where you can get any kind of feedback or, like, yeah. you know, you just – I just kept going and going because it was a dream. Mm-hmm. But then um, I was doing the parties on the side, and I was, like, getting paid to do what I was, like, aspiring to do, kind of. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not Disney. I don't claim to be Disney. And, um, 
you know, I, that was still a dream for a long time. But then, like, I got so busy doing that. I ended up moving from Orange County to L.A. And, like, it kind of became my life, like, on accident a little bit. And I, I ended up just, like, in some ways, like, it's so much better to work for yourself, you know? Yeah. And I was still kind of getting to fill that, like, fantasy of, you know, being a princess and all that so so how did you come to the decision that you were going to branch off and start your own company so for about a year I was like freelancing I would say not necessarily working for a company but kind of working for like everyone it's actually a really small world the like party or at the time it was the like party company universe they all kind of know each other and work together and um, I started kind of collecting my own costumes, um, investing in them a little bit. Um, so I've kind of became like really in demand, like fast. It was very strange. Like, you know, when, when people know you have your own stuff and that you're reliable and that you're experienced, it's like so much easier for them to just send you off on jobs. So I was like making my full living doing this within like a few months. And wow. then, yeah, I was still trying to do theater on the side. It wasn't like I knew that this was going to be my life yet, but, um, about a year in, um, I just started like looking around at all these like, expensive costumes and stuff I had. And I'm like, I could be making so much more if I started my own company. And like, you know, I could be in control of what I'm offering because like the party job, a lot of companies at the time, at least will kind of look at it as like, you're a clown you're gonna twist balloons and face paint and do magic and then you're gonna if if they want a princess you're also gonna like wear a wig like it's like it wasn't magical it was just kind of like you're gonna dress up like this character and do these activities and I was like well wouldn't it be so much cooler if I I could like sing and like you know act like the character and like were they not singing before no not the companies I was working for they were just kind of it was very like a uh, like machine like those uh-huh. those kind of companies the industry has changed a lot there are a lot more companies like mine now but at the time I was like what you know if it was my own company like I could just have so much more say and you know I could invest in like really nice costumes and um I was just really into it I like really wanted it to be special and great if I was you know going to be spending so much time and energy and money and on the costumes and all of that if you don't mind me asking how much goes into how much does a costume cost and what do you have to do uh, to put into a costume I mean you kind of I mean there are companies that are fine with just sending princesses out in Halloween costumes you know Mm -hmm. they might charge a lot less and get away with that and you know um and there are some clients that really aren't don't care that much. They're, they're just thinking, oh, we just want someone to come be entertaining. We don't care if it looks like the real Cinderella or whatever. Just like slap on a Party City costume, wear your own hair up and all of that. So that's kind of like, you know, you would see a lot more of that when I f- first started and I was working for companies. And I was kind of like, I wouldn't be caught dead. <laughs> so I started like <laughs> buying my own and stuff like that. But like the costumes that I have now for my company, kind of depends but like a ball gown kind of costume is usually going to be like around a thousand dollars because everything's custom made and like really nice materials and things like that um yeah it's pretty expensive it it seems like from what I've seen from your Instagram you have to put a lot of maintenance into keeping them up oh yeah I mean you're doing kids parties so like you know 
they have to be dry cleaned a lot of times and um you know they Even have upstairs. to yeah dirty that sometimes I mean anything could happen like you know one time I had a wig catch on fire at a party <laughs> oh my <laughs> god you're <joking>. <laughs> <From> <laughs> that was in the early days that's like my favorite war story of princess parties is like, please tell us now <laughs> okay so I was sleeping beauty and like this is when I was working for other companies and they had the, the party had like candles lit on a mantle behind me and they were like taking pictures of me standing there with the kid and I backed into it and you know it's not your own hair and you're wearing this like heavy costume so So all of a sudden this adult comes up behind me like whacks me with a newspaper and I'm like what the and when I realize what's going on my first thought is like I don't want the kids to be like terrified or traumatized so I'm just gonna pretend nothing's happening so I'm gonna keep my back to the kids for the rest of the party and then when I got out and saw that the wig was like melted into the costume I had to throw both away I was like yeah so when I started my company one of the things on my contract is like no candles are taking lit yes yeah yeah there's all kinds of stuff you would never think of it's like the wind could blow there it could be a windy day and like a wig could get destroyed and you have to pay a hundred dollars to have it professionally redone it's like really expensive people don't realize yeah how so, did you find some of your vendors like your costume designer and your um, wig stylist actually my costumes um I had a friend that I met doing theater who had never made a princess costume before but I knew she was really good with like historical costumes mm-hmm. and she was a huge Disney fan too so I knew that if I came to her and said like hey can you make um, you know, Rapunzel, Rapunzel was the first one she made for me. And like, she put the same care that like I put into playing the characters into making them where she would just analyze everything about what it should look like and how it should be built. And, um, that was kind of like my special unique resource, um, for years. So yeah, I, a lot of people in the industry kind of just, you know, will buy stuff from like, you know, there's a few like known sellers online and stuff, but I always wanted to be different. Mm -hmm. Like it just was really important to me. And then I have a local place that was styling my wigs and, um, yeah, they, I, you come to trust only certain people to, to make these things because they are your livelihood. Yeah. What was it like when you first started the company off? So when I started my company, like I didn't mean to start a company <laughs> like I was kind of doing the freelance thing and I had the idea that I could start my own and I just kind of thought you know there has to be a way for people to get a hold of me so I'll make business cards so if I'm going to make business cards I have to have a name to put on them and and then I should probably have a website and it just kind of snowballed and like within a couple of months we had parties every weekend it was like insane how it happened the only thing I can say is like it had to be meant to be for me to be doing this because it just kind of happened and yeah I named my company the Los Angeles Princess Company so like I don't think I could have done more to help my like search engine optimization yeah oh that's crazy that you even were able to get the Los Angeles Princess Company oh yeah people love their cutesy names in this industry like I mean, no offense, but, like, a lot of them are, like, enchanted, whatever, Yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. Yours is the first. Oh, yeah. That's what you would type into Google. Yeah. yeah. Los Angeles Princess Company. It helped me out a lot. <laughs> Genius. <laughs> I don't know yeah. much about business, but 
you know, yeah, that was a good move on my part. <laughs> no, I actually think that's great advice yeah, to anyone yeah. starting their own company. Yeah, don't overthink the name. It could be yeah. as simple as Los Angeles Princess Company and you will... Yes, like, it should be descriptive. Mm-hmm. And in, just in my opinion, it just sounds more professional. Yeah. And like, you know, it's hard to get respect in this industry anyway because people just think, oh, like I'm hiring a, some young girl to dress up as princess. Like, you don't want a cutesy name. Like, you want something that sounds legit and like you know sounds like you're hiring a professional person you know yeah no that makes sense when you started off you played everyone you yeah you were the only you were your only employee the yeah only princess yeah. <laughs> you, were, you were the only princess yeah that was what I really that was my main intention was to just create an opportunity for myself mm-hmm. like I wanted to be able to pay all my bills doing this um I wanted to create like an opportunity for me to get the most gigs whereas when I was working for other companies like you know they have other people working for them they can't give you all the gigs um so yeah and I never intended for it to grow at all I and that's the first thing people started saying as soon as I started my company like you should hire a bunch of people like I was like no I I mean I I want to perform that was the main thing it's like I didn't want to just be a boss at a desk. Like, I wanted to make my living performing. Yeah, and you had some issues with a couple of performers over the years that you ended up bringing in. Like, I think you were telling me about, an, was it an Aladdin who just was like, bye? Like, just Oh, I mean, I've had people... I remember one of the first girls I brought on, um, you know, I trained her from scratch. She had no experience. And she probably did like two or three parties for me and then decided to start her own (laughs) she used everything I taught her and started her own she's not around anymore but um that was a huge blow I was I mean there's only so much you can do to protect yourself from that too um I have like a non-compete I think is something that people can sign but I think you can I don't know how much it really holds up in this kind of work but and it's like you know, I just don't worry about it anymore. It's like I've had a few people that I've hired and trained from scratch. Like pretty recently I hired someone and trained her from scratch and then she decided to go work for another company behind my back. And like, it's like, I just look at that. I'm like, you know, I don't know. I'm, I've, we've, my company's been around almost six years now. I'm just not, I don't feel like I'm in competition with anyone anymore. I just kind mm-hmm. of feel like we have parties every weekend. I feel like for my own, like, mental health I just can't worry about what other people are doing like that's great the industry has like blown up in the last few years where there's so many companies I can't keep track anymore yeah like I don't need to keep track like yeah yeah, there's room there's if they're gonna start their own company and like charge half what I do it's like that's their problem you know (laughs) how has it been building your own client list that's actually been one of the most like touching things about this and what like keeps me going the most is like the repeat clients because some of these families I feel like I'm in their family like they hire me for their birthday parties and you know Christmas and all kinds of special events and then they'll have you know um a little girl will turn five and then she'll be too old for princesses next year but her little sister wants a princess and like (laughs) you know there are some families I've done like you know five six seven parties for yeah yeah and something special about what you do is you like to give back to um kids that have uh 
um, like cancer or other um, non-curable diseases or, or curable even, but they're, you know, they're in the hospital. Like you started going to. Yeah. Um, and that was incredible because I, it changed my perspective on like myself as a performer. Like I was, when I, the year I opened my company, I was still thinking that theater was the thing. Like I was going to do eventually I was just I was working my way towards being a professional actor and this was just like what I was doing on the side I, I was still doing theater I was in a show over the summer that of the year I started my company and I just started to feel like I'd rather you know I took weekends off of doing parties in order to do the show and I realized like I just feel so much more important when I'm doing this thing that means so much to people rather than doing this like experimental musical in <laughs> downtown LA and like around that same time, I got the idea of like, hey, I bet there are kids like in the hospital that would like to see Rapunzel or whatever. And at the time I was so ballsy, I would just like show up there and like I'd go and visit one kid, but then I'd end up like walking around. Yeah, they don't allow that anymore. But um, oh. yeah, so I met a bunch of kids there that had cancer and I stayed in touch with their families. And um, I just started realizing like, oh my gosh, like I'm in this position to like bring so much happiness to people and like money aside it's like I felt like I I felt like what I had to offer finally was like so meaningful to people Mm -hmm. whereas I didn't always feel that in theater I mean you know how often do you really get to touch people's lives like that like so directly it was incredible yeah I kind of made it my mission to like do as much of that stuff as I could Mm -hmm. but like it's you know I I couldn't really do the hospital thing like they kind of had to they have their own rules and they have like relationship with Disney and all of that but like I I personally tried to like make sure that I was doing as much volunteer stuff as possible just because it it's like how long am I going to be in this position to bring that gift to people you know yeah it's so important to be able to give back and and that was something that I learned um in a showbiz business class was when you start to succeed, um, how how can you give back to others? And like, if that's giving to charities or volunteering your time. So I think that's so important for listeners to think about how can you give back when you start to get abundant. Yeah, and I actually read um, Start Giving Back Now. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, even when you don't already have the means, if you can spare like $5, mm-hmm. A month to a program start because yeah or volunteer if you do it now you're gonna do it when you are successful yeah um, so you book a gig talk about the process of what happens after so people will call me or email me or t- sometimes even text me we get a lot of people through like Yelp and things like that that will call and say um, sometimes they'll be ready to book and say, I'm, you know, my daughter's having her fifth birthday next month and we want Cinderella to be there from this time to this time. A lot of people are just kind of like, I've never really done this before. Like, what does it all involve? And then you kind of have to have your spiel, mm-hmm. um, of how to, to sell them on like, you know, cause it's, it's a, um, it's an expensive service relatively. I mean, it's a, for some people it's a one-time thing and, um, yeah, so people will book and we'll send them a contract and then um, show up at their house <laughs> or their park or party venue. Mm-hmm. 
and entertain kids for an hour to two hours usually. So when you arrive, uh, what do you do? Uh, I park far away so that they don't see Cinderella getting out of a Prius. <laughs> and then... Cinderella cares about the environment. Yeah. Um, usually people are like Snapchatting me walking down the street, yeah. like on my phone, looking at the address. Um, yeah. And then, you know, walk in and I think that's like one of the hardest things I have a hard time teaching other people is like how to like walk into a stranger's house and like be entertaining and confident and not feel like timid about it you know yeah it's like a special skill yeah yeah (laughs) yeah and then I mean I'm like all about just like giving the kids so much love getting down their level like giving genuine hugs it's like they're meeting their idol yeah so (laughs) you have to like have that in your mind when I'm when you're in the party it's like you might have it might be your fourth party of the day and you're exhausted but like they're getting to meet somebody they've dreamed of meeting like you have to think about am I giving them that experience you know yeah I love watching your uh your Instagram videos when you're talking to the kids or you're in the middle of the song and they're asking you questions and oh responding. it's so funny yeah, <laughs> yeah sometimes they'll like answers. literally interrupt a song to be like I have a doll of you <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's the most important thing, like, and then you have to think about, like, how you're responding, because sometimes you're like, okay, yeah, like, don't interrupt, but you have to, you know, think of what they're going to take from it, so Mm -hmm. you say, oh my gosh, thank you so much, I feel so special, like, you know, know, whatever. (laughs) And and you have to do a ton of research on each of the characters, and, um, like, one of the the newer princesses that a lot of people might not know is, um, is it Elena? Elena. Elena of Avalor. Yeah. Yeah, you had this. She has, like, a show that's been around for two years now. There are a lot of episodes to watch. Um, So, yeah, it's, like, that's what I was saying about, like, it was the perfect marriage of all the things that, like, I really was already interested in, like, you can't really do this job if you're not into it. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people do, people who work for big companies, like they just want, you know, they're doing it for the money. Like they might even think it's a fun job, but it's like, you know, a kid is going to ask you like, you know, if you're Elena, they might say, where is Isabel? And if you're like, who, you know, that's <laughs> your sister. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So things like that. I get a lot of feedback from the parents, like actually, especially playing Elena. A lot of them will say, I really appreciate your knowledge of the character. Like, there's no question you can't answer that's huge for the kids in like for them to believe that you're real when you know as much when they because a lot of them have like watched that movie or that show like so many times you yeah know? on a loop like that's all they want to watch sometimes so yeah. yeah I can imagine like there's a few times you may think that you know this trivia and then this kid will ask you like there was a question once when you were Elsa where they were like oh where's the snow or like where's your ice powers and you like oh yeah have have a response for that definitely I mean you and it's like it makes it more fun for you too when you like are confident in like the it's like the same as if you're doing theater actually that's I would say the biggest thing that I took from like doing theater to this is like you know, you have to know everything about your character to feel like you are that character, Mm -hmm. you know? Sometimes I really feel like I am Elsa. I've done, I've played her (laughs) hundreds of times. I'm like, you know, when kids are talking to me as her, I do know every answer. I, you know, I don't have to think about it hard and it's so much more fun that way. What are some really odd characters that people have asked you to play? 
I mean, even just today, a lot of people just assume we offer everything. Like yeah. I'm so, I mean, any, every costume that we have is in my bedroom. Yeah. So like we, we are not trying to grow to be one of those big companies that has superheroes and like all of that. We've, you know, definitely grown, added a few things in the last few years, but like I always wanted to keep it to princesses because that's what we do best. And I felt like if we started to expand to all these other random things, the quality would go down. Not even like the quality of the costumes, but just like we wouldn't be able to know everything about the characters we're playing and stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, people will call and ask for Darth Vader or whatever. Um, the, what did they ask for today? Probably like, yeah, (laughs) get a lot of like, like, okay, sometimes I won't even have heard of the character because it's like a a quote unquote boy character. I'm like, you know, the girls who are the kids who are interested in princesses don't talk about PJ mask or whatever, like, you know, yeah, but it is worth saying that we have done parties for boys and yeah. over the years, a few of them, which is amazing. But Yeah, I think I was with you one time when someone asked, for, I, maybe it was Dora, and you were like, no, <laughs> I have <laughs> oh these <gosh>. princesses. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, there are some, it's like you get a certain number of requests and you're like, okay, like, you know, we'll consider adding that. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I've just, I feel really strongly about keeping it small. And that's like another thing that like I've had to learn this year in particular is like there's so much pressure to grow. And like when you're a business owner, it's like, like I was saying, as soon as I opened, people were like, you should hire a bunch of girls so that you never have to do a party. And like, then you can just make so much money. It's like, you don't know what kind of stress goes into like managing people. Because you lose control over yeah. it. Yeah. Like you don't know what and they're going to do. Yeah. yeah. I never once got a complaint until I like started sending other people out. And that's just the truth. It's like, they're, it, it's not their company. Yeah. yeah. So if you don't have people you really, really trust, like you don't know what they're going to do mm-hmm. or like if they're, you know, especially with like the costumes and stuff, you know, having other people wear them and like sometimes the way they wear them is strange because they don't, you know, they don't think about things the same thing like you do. Like, you know, Cinderella's headband has to be worn a certain way, like because that's how she looks and they'll think, well, I think it looks better this way. It's like, you don't, you don't know. You haven't spent all the time thinking about this, you know? Yeah. It's not your call. You don't get to decide. Yeah, Um. (laughs) exactly. Uh, So you run the company by yourself? Yeah. What is that like running a business of this size by yourself? It's intense. I mean, I spend most of my time doing business related things. Um, especially with the thing, you know, being on call, answering the phone is a full-time job. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what like people don't get about it. And like when they think of, well, why does it cost so much to hire a princess? Like, because the only way this business can exist is like, if it's my only job, like there's no way I could go pick up some other desk job yeah. And be able to, you know, answer people's calls and stuff and, like, take care of everything that needs to be taken care of. And the costumes are a thousand a pop. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> and it, need to be maintained. It can be isolating to work from your apartment by yourself. And, like, you know, not a lot of people understand the position that you're in. It's like, I've actually made friends with a lot of other princess party company owners across the world, like, mm-hmm. since I've started doing this because we get, like, 
the demands and like the stress and like the stress of dealing with performers the stress of crazy clients like that is like one of the main things we commiserate on is like just the crazy situations we find ourselves in and like um yeah I mean I I love it I love the control of like you know um offering a service that like I believe is like the best it can be um but yeah definitely it's very time consuming and like um there's not a lot of room for other things like even like going out of town is hard Mm. I I mean there's no way I can just say like okay the company's closed for a week it's like you know it's it's my income so when people call and want to book a party like I can't yeah you know I'll be I'll go out of town but then be vacation time yeah and that's just kind of how it is it's like it does involve a little bit of a hustle you know I have business hours listed but like you know if somebody calls to book a party at eight o'clock it's like well I'll either answer it and hope or I'll either answer it and book the party or hope that they call back maybe they won't maybe they'll move on to a different company yeah who will answer the phone at eight o'clock you know like so it's a lot you know have you set hours with the clients or on your website of times to call in yeah now I now I do (laughs) because I mean there was a time when I literally felt that I had to book everything like there was a time when it was I I just felt like we I couldn't I couldn't turn parties down like I couldn't miss a call or whatever now I've relaxed a little bit because we are at a certain point where it's like okay well if we don't book that party because I didn't answer the phone at whatever time then oh well like I'm just not worried about it anymore yeah Yeah. your sanity is not worth it (laughs) that's exactly it I'm like I would rather just be able to like have time to myself so that I can keep going because that wears on you to be like dedicating your life to something like like I was for a long time (laughs) yeah yeah and you have you have to find the right balance Mm -hmm. and it sounds like there was a lot of sacrifice that went into it, but also I, I posted something today about if you don't know your purpose, figure out your passion because your passion will then be your purpose. I don't know. And I feel like this just kind of yeah whole story just seems very serendipitous for you. Yeah. Um, do you have any crazy client stories? Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, I get a lot of like, is the exact person on the website going to be um, the one that comes to my party? And I guess that's something I didn't say in this is, like, I do have other girls who work for me now. Like, I'm not trying to do all all the parties myself anymore. So the trouble with that is, like, I was the only person for a long time, and people <laughs> will be like, is it going to be you? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, I have other girls now, and, and I usually assign the parties the week of. So um, I have to be able to be strong in saying, like, I can't guarantee who it's going to be. I can guarantee that it will be somebody that's trained by myself and is good and will wear the exact costume you see on the website and things like that. But a lot of, like, there's just this anxiety with, like, parents planning their kids' birthday parties where they just want it to be perfect and they're, like, just so nervous. And, oh, actually, the other day we had, I had a girl booked on a party from 5 to 6 and we got a call at 5 o'clock, like, where is she? Like, 
I don't know, she might be like walking towards you right now. She might be behind you. Like, <laughs> give her a second. Like, that kind of thing where they're just so nervous somebody's not going to show up or like things like that. Um, it's like somebody's wedding, you would think. I know. Like yeah. the way they treat it. Yeah. And I've kind of learned that like the anxiety isn't really directed at us. It's more like the, a lot of times it's, it's a money thing. It's like the parents want their party to go perfectly so that everyone can see how perfect it is and you know be impressed and you know they want the princess to look a certain way because they don't because because it reflects on them they feel it's it's interesting keeping up with the joneses yes definitely uh what goes into training the girls that you have for a while i was training girls from scratch and I would have them watch me do a party. I would have them do a practice party, usually for like a volunteer event. Um, and then I would send them a bunch of materials and things like that. To be honest, now I rely more on girls who are already experienced because, um, you know, it's such, it's hard to train people to do this job as much as you would think it's not. like not everyone is cut out for this job and I've hired a few people who then I realized were not cut out for this job it's like you can train them all you want but if they don't have that personality and that like natural love for kids and natural love for these characters and things like that it's like there's some things you can't teach yeah and yeah um so what went into um figuring out the pricing that you were going to charge you don't have to say how much you charge but um what, what was kind of your thought process on what you thought was fair and what would still get people into it? This is actually an interesting point because when I started, I did what a lot of people do and I looked at what everyone, kind of what the average was of like in the industry and I decided I was going to price lower than that so that I could get the ball rolling and get lots of people booking me and stuff like that. And then you start to realize what your overhead is. And I I realized pretty quickly that what I was charging was not sustainable. And that I was just like worth more than that, you know? Like there's a really good um, phrase that you'll see a lot, like in entrepreneurial reading materials where it says, don't put yourself on sale. Because part part of the problem with that (laughs) is if, if you start, if you price yourself lower and then you realize that you're worth more, your past clients are going to be pissed. And that happened to me a few times where they were like, well, you charged this last year and now you're $60 more or whatever. It's like, yeah, because I was dumb when I started and priced myself way too low. But it's like, also, if this is going to be your full-time job, it's like, you know, you have to price yourself at, you have to figure the time it takes and your overhead. and, And now we've been around for a long time. So it's like, we'll get people asking for discounts. Like, if you want a discount like you might have to sacrifice some quality or experience you know like we just don't need to be putting ourselves on sale yeah know your worth yeah. know your yeah. worth oh i yeah. love know your that. worth yeah. no, that's we're all excited yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, got her bunny I have a pomeranian <laughs> hand thing happening out of excitement <laughs> over this and i'm uh, a huge believer in like the law of attraction and stuff too so uh, i just feel like you put you price yourself low it's like you're just putting that out into the, the world that you're not worth mm-hmm. as much as you yeah. might be. So, you know, we – and also another interesting thing in the industry is, like, parents will naturally look at a company that's priced at X and then a company that's priced, you know, a little bit 
higher and they're gonna think well why is that company higher they must be better and yeah. a lot of times I really think it's true oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I agree um so do you do all your own finances for the company or have you kind of yes what how how was that kind of figuring out like cost to labor to it's everything that I know I've had to learn the hard way like mm. you know and even this year I've had to look at what I'm putting in because I mean you would just not I mean it's like it's not it's not even just costumes and wigs it's like supplies and like gas and like you know I had this perfectionist mentality about like you know our wigs and costumes have to be perfect and like they have to be sometimes they have to be upgraded or like you know this activity that we offer you know has to be replenished the supplies for it or whatever and I just started looking I'm like you know is that what's making us great is that a, co a cost that is necessary for me to keep spending you know mm -hmm. and a lot of times the answer is no it's like I had to let go of a lot of perfectionism mm -hmm. in in realizing that if I'm going to keep going doing this and like it just can't you do have to look at the numbers like mm -hmm. yeah. the overhead can't be so crazy that you're not making a profit and I know companies like that unfortunately where they just they're so focused on the perfection of it that I don't even see how they can be making a profit you know yeah um over the years you've had to kind of let go of a couple of character costumes how was that process in letting go did you have to sell the costumes off did it hurt if were they characters that you loved yeah I mean you just look at like what is popular and that is a huge thing I see you know when you have young girls doing this job a lot of times it's like you know they're fulfilling their dream of playing whatever princess like they might love playing Merida but I'm sorry nobody kids don't know who Merida is anymore yeah uh, <laughs> she's not cool anymore I love her too yeah but I sold that costume as soon as she stopped booking parties it's like maybe once in like the last five years somebody's called and wanted Merida and I had to say we don't have her Ugh. but it's like why would you spend all that money to upkeep that wig <laughs> yeah and space it's like space too yeah. like I don't I don't have space to store costumes that aren't making me money so yeah yeah certain characters like I would love to have but it just doesn't make any sense so yeah I've sold off characters I got rid of some princes it's like yeah it was cool to be able to say we had you know a prince for a bunch of the princesses but it's like at the end of the day it's like I had to think about it from a perspective of like storage like mm -hmm. do I even have performers to play that character anymore like you know is it worth it to be able to to say yes to a party once a year yeah and and then have to worry about maintaining that costume and whatever yeah. you know and, and you say you you keep it all in your room yeah I have like a really very well organized storage unit in, that it is in my bedroom in my apartment so it's it's very yeah. important to me that stuff stays organized or else like when I started I my business imagine. I lived in a converted garage in Pasadena and had yeah. all my stuff just like everywhere like <laughs> yeah I lived in a studio apartment in Glendale where like wigs were like stacked to the ceiling it was just like my living space has to be 
has to keep me sane. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially with all of the details with every character, if you can, the way I've seen your your storage where it's just, it's immaculate, where, okay, this is Cinderella's box and everything is inside of there that goes with her and yes. we're moving on. Yes, definitely. And it's portable because you will do costume changes in your car sometimes. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Not anymore. I won't yeah. do that to myself anymore, but yeah. definitely the first few years I was doing this, like, yeah, my car at the end of a weekend would just be yeah. scary. I, I get dressed in my car all the time before work because I'll be coming from an audition. I live on the east side. And I'll have an audition on the west side and then have to go to work in the valley. And, uh, and I'm naked on Valley Heart so often. I'm just waiting for a police officer to walk up to my car and be like, excuse me, ma'am, yeah. uh, you can't do that here. Because uh, the restaurant, our bathrooms are shared with the customers. So... I don't want to go in with my giant bag of stuff yeah. as me and then come out as an employee. I, I don't think my boss would like that, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Um, we're getting close to having to wrap it up. How is your business different from six years ago than it is now? And what have you learned? Oh, that's such a big question. I know. Um, I think the biggest thing is just my attitude towards... Um, like I was talking about not worrying about your competition and that was a big thing that was drilled into me when I was an actor too it's like you don't like one of my favorite quotes is nobody is you and that is your power like the people around you it's like yes that person might be prettier they might be might have been doing this longer like you know that company might have a hundred characters or like there, there's always something it's like comparing myself to other companies and paying attention to what they were doing was so toxic and it got to a point where like there were so many new companies popping up that I was like worried for if I if I would let myself think about it I would get worried about how I was going to be able to keep doing this mm -hmm. but like my mentality now is like we've we're already established like I have nothing to prove to anyone like I don't need to like do anything crazy to bring in business anymore I don't have to do free events um I mean volunteer events are different but like mm -hmm. people ask you to do free stuff in exchange for advertising we're just like sorry we've been around six years um we don't really need to do that anymore I need your advertisement yeah I mean I hate to say it sometimes to them because it's like I know I know they think we need them, but it's like, that's our time and we have to be paid for it, you know? Yeah. And yeah, just my perspective on all that has changed. And like I was saying with like the pricing and everything. Um, but a lot of my like biggest lessons have just been about like, when you're the business owner, like your sanity is part of your business being able to keep going. So if you have to make a decision just because it's good for you, that has to be enough. Like yeah. you can't, for a long time, I was just constantly looking at like, what does the business need? Like, I sh like should I make this sacrifice because of my business? Like now I need to be able to say like, I am going out of town for four days. I'm not going to answer my phone, things like that. It's like, because if I'm going to be able to keep doing this, like I have to be happy. Like I can't. I can't sacrifice myself. Have you thought about hiring somebody just to take kind of care of like the phone oh, and the, the business admin. stuff instead of 
being a field princess. Yeah, it's such a give and take because hiring people, it's like, it's such a give and take of like, is hiring people cutting down my stress or is it adding another thing for me to worry about if that person's doing their job? And like, Mm -hmm. so at the time, like right now, I'm really just... Um, letting it be small. I'm not trying to grow. I'm not trying to be the biggest company. Like right now, like where my business is, like I'm paying my bills. I'm paying my rent. I live in a nice apartment. I, you know, I'm able to live. And that makes me happy. Like I I don't need to, I don't want to be some corporation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're comfortable. Yeah. Do you have any advice to somebody who would like to start their own company? Um... I think, I mean, the way I did it might not be for everyone, but if I had really thought about how much goes into it, I think I would have been too intimidated to actually go through with it. Like, I kind of just started really simple and small and, like, learned as I went. I'm still learning. Like, there's still plenty of, like, business things that I'm learning. And, uh, I mean, talking to other people who are already doing well is really important. Mm -hmm. Um, having like mentors and just like along with like not putting yourself on sale from beginning like really put the integrity into what you're offering like what you put in is what you're going to get out so I mean if you're going to start a princess business don't go to party city and buy 20 princess costumes and then say you're going to get upgrade later which I see people doing all the time it's like maybe you only offer Cinderella and you know Ariel, whatever, and, you know, but you have the nicest costumes and you're the best, like, that is what is going to get the ball rolling in the way that you want it to. Mm -hmm. That's what I say. It's like, no matter what you're doing, it's just like, be the best, start small, start simple. Yeah. It's like a very narrow, specific scope because that gives you the ability to really study those two princesses or however small you want to be and just be really, really good at it. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Definitely. Yeah. I love this. Well, yeah. Thank you so much. Do you have anything else you want to add? Or anything you want to plug too? LosAngelesPrincessCompany.com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll put it that link down in the description. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. This is great. <laughs> Try